Welcome, ladies and dreams, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss uh, the Uncanny X-Men number 162, the October 1982 issue on sale July 6th of 1982. And this one's titled Beyond the Farthest Star, which seems like a good Star Trek title. Yeah, absolutely. Captain's Log, Stardate 5221.8. Finally, resuming outward course beyond the farthest star of our galaxy. Mission, star charting. Um, I like this cover a lot. It features Wolverine uh, in his best He-Man pose, um, being attacked by like a giant spider body. His, uh, his, what's going on? Why does he have a halo around his head? I'm not exactly sure if that is supposed to be this spider brood creature's mouth or if it's just him like, like that's just comic book reaction art. Yeah, I can't really tell either. I think it's comic book reaction art. Well, the comic book reaction art is saving his life. Absolutely. Because the spider can't chew through it. <laughs> it's trying desperately. Uh, yeah, th- so hungry. This this was always a uh, this was a comic book that I did not uh, and may not actually still have in my collection. I might actually have it now. Um, so I always thought I've read it before, of course, but I always thought that it was like uh, a cool one because it was one that I didn't have, and plus it had this very unique cover. So it it is a very unique issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Let's just jump right into this thing here. It's uh, written by Chris Claremont, Bob. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave Cockrum and Bob Wiasek are doing pencils and inks. Glennis Ween is the colorist. Tom Orzachowski is the letterer. Luis Jones is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And Adam, before we go on too much further, uh, I need you to help me name a drink that I have concocted. Oh, oh, I'm excited. It's deliciously refreshing. So I'll give you that part. It's got two ingredients, three ingredients, actually. Uh, and it's a variation of an already existing drink. Man, I wish you had told me this beforehand. I, I'd be drinking one right now. <laughs> I apologize. It was kind of a last minute, like, boy, I feel like I feel like a cocktail. And then I looked in my liquor cabinet. And I was like, I I don't really have much. So then I just made this. Uh, what it is is it's a cup packed full of ice, as they generally all start out with, uh, about a shot and a half of gin, and then the rest of it. This is the weird part is diet grapefruit soda. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a pink color. Uh, It's refreshing, fruity, delicious, cold. Really, diet grapefruit soda. Three words that you do not often hear together. (laughs) (laughs) You can't even really put two of those words together other than diet soda. But yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, have you ever had um, ruby red squirt? Yes, I, I used to drink that a lot. So ruby red squirt, for all intents and purposes, would be your grapefruit soda. So this would be a diet version of that. Does it have to be diet? It does not have to be diet. However, I'm, I'm trying to cut a couple pounds out off of off of me and still in, enjoy a couple of spirits. So you does can, it have to be soda? Um, Like gin and grapefruit juice? That might, I don't, might work. I don't know. I usually find that uh, it's the bubbles, right? Like once uh, I have the soda stream thing, and this is actually where the diet grapefruit soda came from was the soda stream thing. Uh, and I, I, I inadvertently once made a um, Captain and non-carbonated cola, and it was disgusting. Like, I, <laughs> I had forgotten to carbonate the water before adding the cola syrup to the whole thing, and then I put my Captain in, and I was like, oh, my God. It was just – it was nasty and disgusting. So 
I don't know. I, 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 I would be willing to try grapefruit juice and gin, but I think it's the bubbles that do it. So you think it's the soda. So maybe, well, I don't know, maybe sparkling water would do. Uh, or sparkling uh, juice. I don't know. Does such a thing exist? Sure, yeah, it does. All right. So I'm thinking... It, it's not a Banff because it's not purple. The only thing I could come up with is like a, like a weak phoenix. It's a slightly unusual drink in that it's got diet grapefruit soda. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gin. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing. It's clean, fruity. It's a banshee, right? No. That, yeah, I like it. The banshee. <laughs> it's the banshee. I don't know why. I don't know where the pink comes from, but it's it's a banshee. Or maybe it's the ee! Ah, that's what it could be. <clears throat> so I might be a little uh, feisty this episode. We could also call it My Deadly Eyes. <laughs> it could be My Deadly Eyes. Although, if it was My Deadly Eyes, I think it would have to be like a higher concentration of alcohol. And I... I feel like you'd have to put some Red Bull or something into it. Mm. It would have to be like that absinthe thing. I want to go make a drink now. <laughs> I, if you, I can put the thing on pause if you'd like me to. All right. I'm going to go see what I have. All righty. I'll be right back. What do you got, Adam? I'm back, and um, my pantry was not terribly filled. <laughs> so I had to work with what I had. Mm-hmm. Um. So I started with uh, some ice, mm-hmm. as you do, mm-hmm. and I mixed in two shots of SoCo. What? Uh, oh, Southern Comfort, sure. Yep. Southern Comfort whiskey. Yep, got it. Um, then I had some bitters, so I threw in some bitters, a mm. couple, couple, couple shots of bitters. Um, and then I didn't have juice, so I got a little creative. Um, have you ever had Mio? Mio. Nope, I don't think so. It's stuff that you add to water to make the water taste sugary oh i've seen it yeah it's got it's like a little spritzy bottle thing right like a little yeah. tiny one so i gave it a shot of orange tangerine mio it uh is it caffeinated or is it just flavor it's just flavor okay all right sure um and then i threw in uh and then i filled it with water mm-hmm. um had a lemon so or a, a, a lime rather uh-huh. so i i cut off a little slice of lime tossed that in there and um and then added a cherry Okay. So essentially, um, I made an old fashioned, but I added some some mio to it, which gives it a nice orange coloring. Hmm. It's actually quite delicious. Hmm. Hmm. To be honest, it tastes like an orange, an old fashioned with mio. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, do, are you going to give that drink an X X name, or are you just going to call it a a mio old fashioned? I'm thinking of calling it the Banshee. <laughs> Wait, I've got the banshee. <laughs> I'm gonna call this um, the sugar. Ah, because it's got the southern comfort. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a little rogue. Yep, and it's very sweet. Okay, J- just like she will become. And the ice, which is floating at the top of the drink, is is white. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like the streak in her hair. Got it. I, yeah, I made that connection. Well, all right, then. We got our drinks. We're fired up. Let's uh, let's start this issue here. I'm Wolverine. I'm a long way from home, and I think I'm dying. So my first question is... Yes, sir. Um, this issue is narrated by Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Have we ever had an issue narrated by a character in the X-Men yet? I don't think so. 
And does anybody other than Wolverine ever narrate an X-Men comic book? I'm sure they do for the like their the limited series and stuff. Right. But it's just something to I'm going to try to remember to keep track of that. Yeah, poke that in the back of your head. Uh I can't answer that question. I mean, uh yeah, I have no idea. I mean, there's definitely some issues that feature kind of solo appearances by X-Men, but I don't know if they're narrated in their voice or the omniscient um, narrator. So yeah, something to keep. Track I don't of. even think Wolverine alone, but way back in the John Byrne era, was narrated by Wolverine. Uh, uh, yeah. So he's he's on the run. His costume is is ripped up. He's wearing kind of a different costume. It was the same costume as what he went to dinner in on the Shear ship last issue, which was like this white thing. It's horrible. Yeah. For some reason, whenever the X Men go to foreign places. They like to dress up in the worst costumes ever. <laughs> so he's running. He He's in like an unknown alien jungle. So there's all sorts of crazy creatures running around and the fauna is all alien-like. It's all weird. And yeah, he's just, he's talking away and blah, blah, blah. I'm Wolverine. Hey, everybody. I'm Wolverine. Look at me. I'm running. It really hurts. <laughs> I wonder, so last month... Um, Wolverine number one came out, and that is also narrated by Wolverine. So I wonder if Chris Claremont was kind of inspired by himself. Probably, well, probably. I mean, one probably inspired the other. I mean, they're both written by Chris Claremont, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So he's uh, he's running in the jungle. He's doubling over in pain. Uh, the the pain is is it's in his gut and it's white hot, and uh, he's running and he gets attacked by some uh, alien fauna. That gasses him. He is attacked by tentacle porn. Yes. It's by Japanese tentacle porn. But he's got claws and he's able to cut through the Japanese tentacle for, uh, uh, porn. He also reminds us that his um, bones are laced with adamantium. And yes. his claws are also made out of adamantium. They're retractable. Housed in his forearms. Extended through apertures in his hands. Forged out of adamantium. And I know how to use them. <laughs> He wins, big deal, what's happening? He faints, and he sees himself riding horseback with Mariko Yashida. He loves her. She loves him. Life's full of surprises. They talk to each other about how noble he is and how he feels like they're a mismatched pair. They're speaking in Japanese. They share a kiss, and uh, they get attacked by giant brood creatures. Yeah, it's all very dreamlike. He... He sees some eagles, but they're flying in not the right pattern. They're too big. And then he whips uh, Mariko's horse so that she runs away. The brood come, and then the brood shoot Mariko. And that's when uh, Wolverine wakes up, and he's like, oh, was that a dream? Please let it be a dream. And then he realizes that brood hunters are actually after him. I like how whenever Wolverine goes on a date with Mariko, he wears his best cowboy duds. <laughs> that's how Wolverine gets dressed up, like he's a yeah. southwestern cowboy. I like that. I it's it's I think it's something that's probably lost today. Oh, I'm I'm thinking so as well. But that's too bad. Yeah. So the brood hunters, they're flying after him. They've got their little goofy brood guns. They're shooting after him. Their blasters are set for stun. I caught a shot not long ago. I'd rather be dead. Uh yes. So he uh he is able to tackle one of them and um, it doesn't really seem to kill any of them, but he, he does some slicing and dicing. It, it kind of looks like he should be, right? 
because he is hitting the brood in the chest with his fists. Uh, logically, his fists would be extended with his claws and cutting through them. But yeah, but there's never there's no like, blood. None of, the, none of the brood dies. I mean, the, these are the same three brood throughout. Throughout. So even as he tackles the, that same brood to the ground, and the brood here look much bigger. Now now the whole length of the brood appears to be hot, taller than Logan. And Logan, I think we've established maybe through Marvel uh, superheroes uh, bios, is like five and a half feet tall. This brood here, basically extended from head to its little pinchers, is probably like seven feet tall. And I thought in earlier issues, they were like maybe half the size of a human. I think we have a little bit of the sentinel problem going on here. They seem to change in size a little bit. Yeah. Panel to panel. So even as he jumps off of that same brood, his claws are extended, but that brood does not look dead. So, yeah. The ground collapses beneath him, and he falls down, 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 and uh, lands in a spider web. Like I said, I'm a mutant. My body has the ability to heal itself fast. I can survive almost any physical trauma, but a tumble from this height may be a bit much, even for me. And I think eventually that will be proven wrong, because I'm pretty sure they've put Wolverine through his paces. He's dead now. <laughs> That's what you keep saying. <laughs> uh, he is in a spider web. I think he passed out, and maybe then he woke up. Um, and he is able to now finally get a full glimpse of this jungle that he was in, and it actually turns out that he is on the carcass of an old brood-living starship. Yeah, which is pretty cool. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a really nice um, two-page spread. Um, I, I really like the fact that they they use like the magnifying glass effect to, to zoom in to show where Wolverine is on this carcass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like um, and I like the fact that it's a callback to the previous issue where we saw what the carcass looks like when it's not a carcass. Yeah. It's a fish ship. So, yeah, the bottom part of it is, like, kind of all rotted meat, and the top of it is kind of been picked away by various creatures on whatever planet it is they are on, so there's bone and stuff. And the little brood bubbles are still intact. So, basically, the brood are using this corpse for the time being as a temporary base. Yes, Dave Cagram, while having lost his ability to make cool costumes... Uh, is still very good at... Creature designs? I don't know. Creature designs, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. So the three brood that Wolverine were fighting, they're kind of in a little argument as to whether or not they should head down. One of them wants to head down and check to make sure Wolverine's dead, and the other two are like, he's fine, don't worry about him. You're really going to go with that, huh? <laughs> That's what they look like. Yes, it's what I'm going with. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they reason that the, a fall from this distance would have killed anybody, so why bother checking? But actually, we'll find out that there's a little bit of logic to this later on. Um, yeah. But one of them argues, he hosts a queen. The great mother will surely desire confirmation of his death. The way is open, novice. Wolverine's trail is easy to follow. Blah, 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 blah. Go on. <laughs> so those two leave, and he heads down. But meanwhile, Wolverine is still stuck in the spider web. And he hears movement, feel vibrations in the web. I can guess what that means. <laughs> Strangely enough, it's not spiders. Well, in the foreground, there's kind of like this spidery thing. It's, yeah, it's spidery, but I think we get to see it later and yeah, well, it's, it's not. less spidery. Uh, he's glued into place. He'd pop his claws, but that's not working so well. 
he uh, he has another uh, slamming feeling of pain, and he hits another flashback. And this is a flashback that takes place from where we left off last issue, sort of. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see Lalandra go blank. It's strangely omitted from this flashback. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Right. So Lilandra's kind of at the head of the table. Everybody's kind of hanging out. Wolverine. Uh, for well, I guess they're all kind of just like chilling. Like there's no table here. Yeah, they're all on the floor. Colossus wasn't really in the mood for a party on account of his sister Liana. What's done is done. Petey Mopin won't change a thing. Certainly won't make Liana a child again. We get reminded about. The fact that she went from, what, uh, 6 to 13. Uh, Storm thinks to herself that she's still confused about the battle with the Demon Lord and the fact that she interacted with her older self, who was blessed with arcane arts. And she's like, but that's not me. I don't know anybody that's a magician. Could I truly possess such talents? A plot point that will surely be picked up in the future. (laughs) Yeah, because Claremont doesn't want to let it go yet. Not yet. Nope, not yet. I'm thinking it'll come back in the Storm and Magic Limited series. I'm betting. I hope so. I mean, at some point we will read that. Um, And that's when Deathbird shows up. And yes, you're right. We don't actually see Lilandra go blank. Uh, And she says, I'm Lilandra, the new Majestrix. And that's when the bomb goes off, as we saw last issue. Which, without them, I don't know, does it make a difference that in this flashback they don't see Lilandra go uh, numb? I guess I guess, I guess it doesn't really matter. It depends on what happens in the next couple of issues. Like, I guess if in next issue or the issue after that, if they're just like, hey, Lilandra, how was everything? And she's like, I'm cool. Then it's kind of like, why did we go to this blanking out panel? But if they're like, oh, Lilandra took the worst of it. We really need to do something. I guess it doesn't matter. But it's kind of an... Maybe it's the fact that he had one idea, but then as soon as they started doing this issue, he just like, like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. I don't know. So anyway, so <clears throat> the next page he uh, comes to after after being knocked out, and he is flooded by a multiple, multitude of scents that make him sick. Um, then he gains some sight. He has some uh, trouble struggling to regain his psychic balance. And uh, when everything comes into focus, he is surrounded by Brood, who he still calls Sleezoids. Uh, still? Or is this the first coining of Sleezoid? He, I thought he called them <clears throat> Sleezoids before. I don't know. Maybe he it, did. I don't know. I like Sleezoids, though, but it's, that's all. It's that's a, all. I just wanted to say that. It's a term, I like Sleezoids. It's, it's fun. It's a term that sticks, but I feel like it's first coined here. I don't recall seeing it in other issues, but I may have missed Could it. Be. The others don't seem to notice the brood slash Sleezoids, and they are actually all have big smiles on their faces. Everybody's very happy about what's going on, but Wolverine is like, uh, his intellect is accepting what's going on as reality, but his senses are telling him that everything is not real. And so he's got an internal struggle as to what to do. Exactly, and one second later, all the brood turn into regular dudes. Yep. So uh, there's Shiar now, and he's he's very confused about that. Carol Danvers is like, you want to dance, Logan? Carol, something screwy. This is ain't what it seems to be. We're being conned, set up. And that's when a couple of Shiars, maybe, come up to Carol and are like, your physiology's different. She's like, I'm not a mutant. They're like, yeah, it's not just that, though. I think there's a little bit more that we'd like to take a look at. Why don't you come with us? So she does, and that's when Wolverine phases out of Shi'ar, or kind of uh, relies on his 
senses and he sees two brood flying Carol off. And he's like, whoa, wait. She's like, she's like, wee. Yeah, because she thinks she's being whisked away by two she-ars. But it's really a couple of brood. And that's when Wolverine kind of freaks out a little bit, has a little spaz out. Storm's like, what's going on? Why did you call out to Carol like that? And Wolverine's still trying to explain his case. Like, hey, didn't you see what's going on? Uh, I guess it's all in my mind. Everything's okay. Looking at the aliens in the background, I feel like the guy on the left, it's like a cross between like a Mars Attacks guy and like some sci-fi from like the some really early sci-fi. He is, he looks like the creature from the movie that they did in Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Mm, okay. I, whatever movie that was. <laughs> I can't remember what that movie was called. So the wool or the X Men, the Wolverines, the X Men are taken to uh, Lilandra. Yeah, I don't know if that's Lilandra though. They're taken to a queen. Yeah, um, I don't think it's a queen. Well, yeah, it's a very tall woman. We'll just put it that way. Wolverine says that. Uh, no, he does say we were taken before Lil for our awards. Okay, so to the left is Lilandra, and next to her is a weird-looking doll. But then the doll starts moving. Strangely enough, Lilandra was no longer comatose. Oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, I didn't read that. <laughs> uh, so then uh, all of the X-Men are greeted uh, by this doll, this very tall woman with kind of like a horn headdress, uh, and everything was fine until it's Kitty's turn, and that's when she's like, come to me, my child, and Kitty kind of freaks out. I heard her screams and wanted to act, but I couldn't. Some power held me fast. And the the tall doll person was like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. And uh, look into my eyes. No, no, please. Daughter, it is done. And then it was Wolverine's turn. And he he's the bird and she's the cobra. And that's when he sees that it's really a gigantic brood um, sticking its tongue into... His chest, presumably what it also did to Kitty. Yeah, but Wolverine feels it, and he's like, Arrgh! And then he wakes up in reality, and he's back in the spider web, uh, able to get his claws out, he's surrounded by very not-spider-like creatures. You're right, yeah. They look like, they just look like little reptiles. Yep, they absolutely do. They're climbing around on the spider web, but Wolverine is able to get himself loose. And he slices and dices. The odds are against him, but he soon learns that just by damaging some of the uh, some of the, the dudes, he, um, some of the, the bad guys or the, the insects or whatever they are, reptiles, that the other ones will go after them. And the most important thing here is that he says, the X-Men have never seen me like this. Part of me hopes they never will. I'm the best there is at what I do. But what I do isn't very nice. No, Adam, you read it wrong. I did? I, I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do best isn't very nice. Oh. So they're still, well, work, they're still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> this is its first appearance in Uncanny X-Men, but as I said before, Wolverine came out, Wolverine number one came out last month, and that it was its first appearance, its okay. first chronologically published appearance. Who knows which one was written first? But this isn't the the phrase that they use now, is it? 
Uh, I'm yeah, I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. So, but you're leaving out the best part. But what yeah, I do they, best, they got rid of the best part. Okay. I don't think that was in Wolverine number one, to be honest. Right, it's clunk, it's clunky. It's hard to say. And so maybe this is the first pass at it. See, that's what I'm saying because I think there's earlier issues where he says something like, "I'm the best uh, there is at what I do," right? But he doesn't finish it off. Um, I don't, I don't think he said it in canon yet. Oh. Oh, okay. I think this is the first uncanny X-Men appearance of the of any form of the phrase. Hmm. But later he will sometimes drop what what I do isn't very nice. It, it jumps back and forth. Sure. All right. Well, uh, soon through his rage and its adrenaline high, uh, as soon as that begins to fade, his cue comes to make an exit. So that's when he decides that he's not able to uh, take on these creatures anymore, so he's got to get away. But that's okay, because a whole bunch of other critters have come along, and now they're just attacking each other. As a meal, I'm not worth the effort, especially when they can turn on their own and wounded and dead. I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do is scoot. <laughs> Futzers, I'm scooting out of here. So he climbs his way up to the top, uh, and he's he's kind of all slashed up now. He's got a whole bunch of like crisscrossing scrapes all over his body. My nerves are on fire. The slightest moves, agony. Still, I push on. Stupid, stubborn. He passes out again, and that's when he flashes to last night, when he woke up in his bed, soaked in sweat, and he, his memory told me it told him that he was in Lelander's palace, but when he looked around, he realized he was anywhere but. Yeah, he appears to be in another carcass. Yeah, well, it's probably the same carcass. So he has really hasn't gotten that far. No, but this is a this is this is again this is a flashback. Right. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> then he um uh, did you know that there's an ad for Cerebus in this comic book? Yeah, I was just noticing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, why is that here? Anyways, um, so he heads off to Storm's room and he's like, Storm, you're not gonna believe this. Storm's sleeping naked and it's hot. <laughs> you know, that's what she does. He's used to it. Yeah. Oh. You've been behaving strangely ever since our arrival. You're in obvious pain now. You're ill, Wolverine. That's all. Let me summon a uh, physician. Uh, And he KOs her with a nerve pinch. First he's like, no rush, darling. I'm enjoying the view. (laughs) Okay, now I'll nerve pinch you. Okay, still enjoying the view. (laughs) I gotta go. (laughs) So he heads off. uh, He finds Kitty's room, uh, and he... Uh, he just gives her a little kiss, like, I'll take care of this maybe, but he doesn't believe himself. And that's when he heads off to, I don't know, another room where a whole bunch of brood have come to meet a former Imperial Guardsman that we've met before. His name is Fang. Fang. You remember Fang, right? Of course I remember Fang. Well, Fa- Wolverine stole his costume for two whole issues. Fang found another version of his costume, so he put that back on. Uh, but he's 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 being uh, not tied up, but he's immovable, and the brood are moving in on him. And then he's like, "But I'm your friend. We're allies. What are you doing to me?" And the brood are all like, "We don't need allies, Outworlder." <laughs> <laughs> and they used Deathbird as we now use you. Fang hunches over, and through a very arduous four panels transforms into a brood. And now we've learned kind of how uh, the brood reproduce. And he's got a very unique uh, brood uh, scarring or or 
marking on his brood head. Yep. So uh, he takes, uh, I'll see here, and in the process, absorb the totality of your memories, your abilities, your genetic potential. Farewell, ally. So basically, whatever f- powers Fang may have had, this brood potentially has. Uh, and then I think these markings are just, I don't know, Fang markings. I guess the brood all have their little unique things. Sure, that makes I don't, sense. I don't know if this will be dropped later or not, but... It's it's kind of like what they did in, like, what, Alien Resurrection, but that was a bad movie. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. So Wolverine's like, oh, I don't like you, Fang, but still, that's not cool. No. <laughs> and the brood are like, an intruder, one of the X-Men, sees him. And Wolverine wakes up again. Yeah, what is Wolverine doing going, no. <laughs> Well, he was caught off guard. He's a little surprised. A little out of character, but still. Uh, <laughs> it was just Fang. <laughs> so, well, maybe it was just the, the sheer surprise of seeing a humanoid creature turning into a brood. I'm picturing a very Darth Vader-esque, No! Where is Padme? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so that's when he sees a Sleezoid. And he recognizes the markings on the Sleezoid as Fang. Oh, what a coincidence. I like the irony. Yeah. So he jumps on to Fang, and he starts hacking and slashing. He cuts Fang's little tail things off. He tries to impale me on his stingers. I make sure he can't. He's uh, Now he's on top of Fang with his claws to his neck, and I think he's holding him like hostage. Like, Yeah, he's trying to get him to fly back to the palace. Take me to your leader. Fang is uh, bleeding a lot. (laughs) In the next panel, he's still bleeding from his uh, stingers. Yep. Uh, Another attack, the worst yet. So as he's on Fang holding him hostage, he gets another kind of internal attack from whatever's kind of been happening to him to give him all of these flashbacks and pass-out moments. Fang uses it as... uh, the opportunity to throw Wolverine off, which he does. Brother, is a present for you. Snurf, snurf. <laughs> Wolverine, how nice of you to drop in. Take him, Hunters, but if he resists, kill him. We get a nice full-page spread of Wolverine fighting broods. They do their best. They're the best they are at what they do. But what they do best isn't very nice. <laughs> and not very effective either. <laughs> he kills them all. He hasn't scrapped like this in ages. And that's when he has agony again, and he doubles over, and it looks like he's about to do what Fang did and transform into a brood. In fact, he's halfway there. The begins to smoke. Comprehension. The transformation my metamorphosis has begun. I fight. New sensations. Becoming familiar old ones, aliens, as eggs reach into my mind, reshaping in her image. As simultaneous, she tries to reshape my body. But this is interesting. His skeleton is adamantium, and her power can't affect it. I use that as an anchor, a lifeline, and make one final convulsive all-or-nothing effort. It's a toss-up, blah, 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 between which one dies, and it's, of course, the Brood Queen. So is the implication here that the adamantium is the thing that saved him? I always thought it was a the healing factor. The healing factor makes sense, right? But... They drop this adamantium thing in there, which kind of also fits in as well, I guess, because uh, the transformation technically wouldn't be able to reshape his body because 
well, adamantium-laced bones, right? But whatever. Yeah. It's interesting in this issue, he is, has adamantium-laced bones and a skeleton made of adamantium. Is that what it says? Well, it says my skeleton is adamantium. So it doesn't say made of adamantium, but oh. it also doesn't say laced with, which earlier in the issue it did. I'm being nitpicky. No, no, no. But the interesting thing is, though, I mean, basically Wolverine passes out yet again, sleeps for an entire night, but wakes up, and he is all brood-skinned out. You lose, Queenie. I'm alive. Your kid isn't. So then he says his mutant immune system saved him, so it is his healing factor. The egg was an alien, a parasite, so my body automatically reacted to it as a disease, which makes perfect sense, which is why he was sick, uh, sick because his body was fighting it off. Uh, but although it never gained more than a toehold, the egg still put up a hell of a fight. Almost lost in the strain. Nearly flaming killed me. <laughs> <laughs> so now he uh, remembers his hallucination. Oh, earlier we missed this. Earlier he had a hallucination of uh, Kitty doubled over his adamantium skeletons as he killed her, and he didn't know why. So now he is reacting to that hallucination, and he realizes that it's because she was turning into a brood, and that if that happens to her or any of the X-Men, he will kill them. I'll kill them. All of them. My friends. Then it'll be the Sleezoid's turn. Because I'm the best there is at what I do. And what I do best is killing Sleezoids. I'll, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. I don't even care. <laughs> brood or <laughs> not. My friends. Yep. They're Sleezoids. I hate Sleezoids. Sleezoids are the worst. Gotta scoot. <laughs> so there you go. That That is X-Men number 162. Uh, I like that issue quite a bit, to be honest. It was good. I, li I mean, you can't lose with Wolverine narrating an issue. Nope. It's a good, it's just, it's good sci-fi. It's him. I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a recycled story basically because they're borrowing from alien uh but whatever that's and, fine and they're even borrowing from their self is essentially re wolverine alone where he runs around and does stuff and yeah yeah so uh but all that being uh aside i mean it's good science fiction i really like the idea of the metamorphosis the eggs and and all that just feels like a really well thought like Chris Claremont had kind of had this idea. Well, he probably in 1979 went and saw Alien. He's like, one day, <laughs> I'm going to rip this off. Or pay homage, however you want to look at it. Or he had a similar idea and Alien kind of cemented it. Yeah, sure. That could that could be. We'll give him that benefit of the doubt. I don't know. It's such a blatant ripoff. It seems like that would be a no-no. <laughs> you would think so. But wasn't the... Um, alien that kitty fought that john Byrne drew wasn't there was a interview that we had read that he was like this was an alien ripoff i'm surprised we didn't get yeah. sued <laughs> yeah so yeah john Byrne uh, admitted that the design of that alien wasn't of wasn't a ripoff of alien yeah but, so maybe they uh, this, this seems like it's more of the concept maybe they tested the waters with that issue and since fox or was it cbs whoever it was that that put, put out that movie uh, since they didn't do anything, they're like, well, let's let's push this envelope a little bit further and see how far we can get. I just can't wait for the uh, episode in which the Terminator shows up and fights the X-Men. Do you remember that one? And then the episode where the uh, alien hunter from the stars hunts who hunts mutants issue uh, episode by, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's when RoboCop yeah. shows up and takes them all down. Oh, man. <laughs> So cool. <laughs> I can't wait till they make that movie. 
and then Batman shows up. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I don't. Do we we get any mail this week, Adam? Well, we got a tweet from Evan Galdeen who asks: So, has Frank Miller's insanity ever affected the X Men like it did Batman? Um, the only thing that I can think of that Frank Miller did with the X-Men was the Wolverine miniseries. I don't know. I'll have to reread the intro to that miniseries that Chris Claremont wrote, but I think he kind of implies that he worked out the story with Frank Miller. As far as Frank Miller's insanity, um, I don't know about that. Like because of Frank Miller and maybe to a degree, Alan Moore, uh, all Marvel's, all the Marvel superheroes and all the DC superheroes went through a dark phase in the eighties. I don't know if the X-Men really did. Uh, yeah, maybe not the X-Men so much. I know Spider-Man did, which was just out of character. I didn't read that series. I'm I'm familiar, and I'd like to read it at some point, but the uh, Daredevil Frank Miller series at some point I'd like to read. but That's supposed to be pretty good. I've also not read it, and Elektra as well. But I don't know. Yeah, we got to keep our eyes open for Frank Miller in the pages of the X-Men. He may not have ever been involved. Yeah, beyond that Wolverine miniseries, I, I can't think of anything. Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes open for that. Um, I'd like to report that we are at 188 likes, so we need 12. And once we have 12 more for a total of 200, then we can do a drawing for a free copy of X-Men number 164, which is coming up, folks. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah, yeah, if you want it in your hands... Or shortly thereafter, I we read it. Like you, you better get some likes on like. <laughs> and we are also going to read all of your Facebook names on air, which people seem to enjoy. Yeah. So, uh, maybe we should do the same for. We have like seventy-five Twitter followers. Maybe we should do that for them too. Yeah. Although that might be redundant since a lot of them are already on Facebook. I don't know. Think about it. Do you think there's what a lot? What do you lar- tweeters think? <laughs> tweeters, Twitters, Twitter, Twitterers. Tweet us you are. at Danger Room Go and let us know if you like that idea. The idea being reading your Twitter handle on the podcast, or is that simply redundant to what we've done on the Facebook uh, like page? And then the other question I have for you, Adams, do you think there's a like a, a contingent of Twitterers that are like, oh, I don't do that Facebook thing, and vice versa for Facebook? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe takes all kinds. I suppose. So if you'd like to reach us, uh, please do so. We can be reached at uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, at Danger Room Go on Twitter, as we mentioned already. Danger Room at redcatproductions.com is our email address, or you can visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com for all of the episodes, all of the panels, all of the commentary, all of the links. You can go and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just go into iTunes, type in Danger Room. We're like the first thing that comes up. Subscribe, leave a five-star review, whatever you want to do there. And you can also catch us on Twitcher. I'm sorry, Twitcher, Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, that's that's, a, that's all good stuff. Uh, you can also give us a call at 501-GET-X-MEN. Those phone calls, even though they've been limited in number, have always been fun to listen to. Uh, so there you go. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. There you go. In the meantime, as we wait for your 100, I'm sorry, your 12 additional Facebook likes, I read Dazzler. Well, more to the point. Wait, of we got number 20? Number 20. I skimmed Dazzler number 20. Uh, just to give us the highlights, the things that we care about the most. 
Um, since we've already started talking about Dazzler's parental relationship, talk about that a little bit here. Basically, her father is uh, re- reclusing inside of himself, and he's becoming a little bit more and more crazy. Uh, he's unable to communicate with the outside world and continues to talk to himself, saying things like, they've destroyed me, the two who hate me the most in the world destroyed me, referring to Dazzler and Dazzler's mother. Uh, but the reason I mention that is because while Carter Blair is talking to himself, Angel is hanging out with uh, his mother, or Carter's mother, the grandmother, and uh, she has put a lot of trust into Warren to try to, I don't know, solve this mystery, even though I think Grandma knows who Dazzler's mother is. But anyways, uh, Warren has been a very comforting person to Grandma Blair, so that's cool. So uh, he's committed to continue helping solve this mystery. But meanwhile, Dazzler is walking around Central Park. She gets mugged. And the only reason that that matters at all is because her brooch falls off of her dress, pops open, and inside of it, it turns out that the little heart inside of the wings is a locket. And who do you think is inside that locket, Adam? Um, her dad? Her dad and? Her mom? No, it's two dudes. Maybe her mom's a dude. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because she's like, this picture's of my dad. And the other? Who is that guy? Could it be someone else, my mother? No, it couldn't be. So the idea that she's trying to portray is that maybe her father is not her father and this other guy is her father, but I think that they're just gay lovers. That's where I'm going. Yeah, and that she was adopted. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyways, Vanessa, who we've not really talked about too much, she's a backup singer that Dazzler met a while ago. Uh, She was heading off to some voice lessons and she i guess decided to snoop around her voice teacher's room when she stumbles into a room that is adorned with nothing but dazzler memorabilia and she's like what is all this stuff oh my god it's all dazzler it's all crazy and then her teacher comes in whose name is barbara and she's like oh this is my dazzler room i'll tell you about it in a minute (laughs) i have a dazzler room (laughs) don't we all um and I'm going to skip most of this. Dr. Sax and Johnny Guitar, they attack Dazzler's band, and it's it's really meaningless to the overall plot. So... I feel like Dr. Sax, I'm kind of skimming through here. Dr. Sax uh, is Cyclops. He does um, have Cyclops visors on. And I see that Johnny Guitar's name is apparently Logan. Oh. Hmm. That's so you think curious. it's Cyclops and Wolverine undercover? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Well, it could be. Maybe, maybe we'll... Let's go mess with Dazzler. (laughs) I'm bored. That sounds like a great idea, Wolverine. So back at uh, Barbara's, London's little singing... Well, her house, basically, where she's giving voice lessons. She gives this little story about how uh, her daughter is really infatuated with Dazzler. But it's really weird because uh, she has a picture of Dazzler with Carter Blair. And she's like, oh, yeah... uh, that's my ex-husband, but Dazzler's not my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> keep looking elsewhere. Angel, meanwhile, he flies around and goes to Ken's office. Ken is Dazzler's boyfriend, and he's like, Hey, I know we're both dating Dazzler, and I know you don't like me, but I'm trying to solve this mystery about Carter's father. So, um, can you... Carter's father? Oh, I'm my sorry. gosh. Sorry, Dazzler's father, Carter, and she needs to find... He needs to find Dazzler, so he... he uh, Ken says she's over there. Here's the address. Go on, go ahead. So she goes, or he goes off. And Dazzler fights those guys, but we don't really care about that. 
Um, and she beats them up, and that's when Dazzler shows up. So, or I'm sorry, Angel shows up, so Angel's completely ineffective. Uh, but he shows up, finds Dazzler, and is like, hey, we gotta go because your father is regressing inward, and we need to solve this mystery. So he picks up Dazzler, flies away, and that's when Barbara Nolan, who's singing, or actually Vanessa is singing, uh, Barbara is playing on the piano, and she starts crying. Vanessa's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I've been lying to you. The girl in the photo is my daughter. And she's like, oh, so then the girl's father in the photo is your husband. And she's like, no, the other man is my husband. And we zoom over in the picture, and it's the same picture of the guy that's in Dazzler's locket. Oh, no, so Dazzler's father isn't Carter... What's his face? Carter Blair, that's correct. Oh, man. Next issue. Oh, my God, this is your life, Allison Blair. So look out for that. That's intense, man. Like these shots of Dazzler kicking Dr. Sex. Dr. Sex. You can, she's got those garter socks on or whatever they're called. I don't, I don't know. know. Those, those stockings, those uh, high stockings. Uh, yeah, yeah, fishnets or whatever. Well, they're not fishnets. Oh, I didn't read that. I only read the uh, the stuff about Dazzler's parents and the stuff about Angel. The rest of it I could care less about. Oh, I'm not reading it. I'm <laughs> oh. just flipping through it. Okay. Did you read anything, Adam? I read Defenders number 112, uh, which finally returns us back to the Beast storyline. Beast is throwing a party for the Defenders. He also invited Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, apparently he now lives with the Defenders, and Gargoyle... He's very happy with that. He says he's a member of the family. Um, it would appear that Silver Surfer, uh, who's still hanging around from the Avengers annual that I did a couple uh, episodes ago, is trying to get into a three-way with Scarlet Witch and Vision. It's kind of interesting. He's not from this planet. He doesn't know. Because <laughs> uh, they're, they're talking about how, you know, Scarlet Witch says she misses Beast and Vision says, I have felt a sense of lost Wanda, but with you beside me, I am always complete. And that's when Silver Surger walks over and says, to be near two so deep in love makes me feel complete as well, if you know what I mean. I'm completing in my pants right now. <laughs> Wait, what? So suddenly in the middle of the party, uh, Doctor Strange teleports them all to a parallel Earth, which is the Earth housed by the Squadron Supreme, which we get the backstory of um, they're this Earth's version of the Avengers, um, and I guess they have fought the Avengers in the past and eventually sided with them, and they all realized they were heroes and whatnot. But apparently there's also a Squadron Sinister, which are these same people but bad guys on our Earth. I don't know. It's very complicated. Um, they are all re reunited with Nighthawk, who, as you recall, perhaps is dead. But he didn't really die. He was brought here uh, to this parallel Earth where it turns out that he, uh, the other Nighthawk, is president and is being dominated by a man or a being, I guess, called the Overmind who controls all of the Squadron Supreme and Hyperion. Which, If you don't, if you don't know anything about the Squadron Supreme, they're Marvel's version of the Justice League. So Hyperion is Superman. So Hyperion escaped, and uh, he manages to get to the Defenders, and they vow to save the world. Wow. So that that's pretty much it. But yeah, I mean, he's Hyperion is is a real blatant ripoff of Superman. He's got like 
Argonite is the one thing that you know hurts him. Um, he he's an alien who was who landed in here from another planet. I don't know. It's just it's very blatant. Hmm. So I I think Nighthawk is the Batman of the Marvel universe. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, that'll be all. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. All right then. Well, it's a short one, Adam. I guess when uh, Wolverine narrates. Well, there wasn't a lot of dialogue for us to read. There was a lot of, you know, dialogue uh, narration for us to read, but we kind of skimmed through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all right, well then, until next time, the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>